Welcome to the last month at the Federal Circuit, a look at recent Federal Circuit decisions impacting the intellectual property community. Finnegan partner Kevin Rodkey joins us now to discuss the decision in Hunting Titan Inc. v. Dyna Energetics, issued on March 24. So thanks for being with us, Kevin. Can you first explain the background and holding of this case? Absolutely. Hunting Titan is an interesting case. It has a lot of procedural background, but what the Federal Circuit ultimately decided was pretty narrow. So I want to take a little bit of time first just to set the stage for the ultimate Federal Circuit decision, which had both the panel opinion and also had a concurrence by Judge Prost. The Hunting Titan decision arises out of an appeal from an IPR at the Patent Trial and Appeal Board. It involves the issue of when it's appropriate for the board to raise its own grounds of unpatentability in response to a motion to amend by a patent owner in an IPR. And procedurally below, Hunting Titan challenged Dyna Energetics patent as anticipated by a reference called Shackerer in the IPR. And during that IPR, Dyna Energetics did what most patent owners do and argued that the claims were patentable over Shackerer. But they also filed what's called a contingent motion to amend, which is where a patent owner is allowed to say, even if the board finds the original claims in the IPR unpatentable, the patent owners made certain amendments that they believe overcome the grounds of unpatentability, and those new claims should be issued instead. Hunty Titan unsurprisingly opposed this motion to amend, but when it did so, it raised only obviousness-based grounds including an obviousness ground based on Shackerer, and proceeded with that as their opposition. In the final written decision below, the board, instead of looking at Hunting Titan's obviousness grounds for the motion to amend, instead relied on the same ground as the petition, which was anticipation by Shackerer alone. And to do this, the board looked at a Federal Circuit decision from 2020 called Nike v. Adidas. And it found that it was proper in this case for the board to raise this new ground of unpatentability that Hunting Titan had not raised in its opposition to the motion to amend. In response to the final written decision finding the motion to amend claims unpatentable, Dyna Energetics followed a bit of an unusual pathway. They filed for what's called a Presidential Opinion Panel Review or POP Panel Review at the board. It's a procedure where... Uh, one of the parties in an IPR can go to the director and a panel of higher ranking judges to try to get a secondary look at a decision by the board panel in the IPR. That's what Dynergetics did. And in an unusual case, the pop panel actually granted that request and they determined that the board panel should not have raised the chakra ground of anticipation and finding the uh, claims from the motion to amend unpatentable. And the POP panel used this opportunity to set out some policy for the board and when the board should and should not raise new grounds of unpatentability in, op- in motions to amend. And the POP panel set forth three specific cases where it could be proper. Didn't say they have to do this all the time, but these are situations where it could be proper for the board to raise its own ground. And that's when the petitioner has ceased participating in the IPR when the petitioner chooses not to oppose a motion to amend. And then this third situation, which is actually the one at issue in the Hunting Titan appeal to the federal circuit, when the petitioner does oppose the motion to amend, 
but failed to raise a ground of unpatentability that was, quote, readily identifiable and persuasive to the board. The POP panel identified a couple of situations where this might be readily identifiable and persuasive. The one relevant to Hunting Titan is when the new ground involves the same ground that the original claims are found unpatentable. So in this case, anticipation by Shackerer. And we'll get to why that became relevant to the Federal Circuit uh, when we talk about the Federal Circuit's decision. But when the POP panel applied this framework that it set out in its decision, it found that it was not appropriate for the board panel to have raised the anticipation by Shackerer grounds in the final written decision because it didn't see what it called a failure of the adversarial process of the IPRs. It found that Hunting Titan raised certain grounds, including obviousness by Shackerer, but that it wasn't appropriate for the board to go out and raise its own grounds. Uh, Hunting Titan appealed this to the Federal Circuit, and that's where we get the decision that we're going to talk about today. And on appeal, the Federal Circuit ended up actually affirming the POP panel's findings. It also affirmed that the original claims were unpatentable, but that's not relevant to our discussion here. And the Federal Circuit in this affirmance did so on a narrow basis, and it did so with a concurrence by Judge Prost. And I think there's a lot of interesting things both about the Federal Circuit opinion and Judge Prost's concurrence that aren't decided by the court, but are instead raised by the court as something to think about in future cases. The Federal Circuit uh, when it affirmed, did so on a narrow basis. So it was looking at the pop panel's decision, determining when new grounds are appropriate to be raised by a board panel below. And it found that the pop panel's decision was not inconsistent with the Nike v. Adidas case that the Federal Circuit issued in 2020. But instead, that Hunting Titan had not really challenged the POP panel's application of its own framework under the APA and under the abuse of discretion standard. And because that decision was not inconsistent um, with the Federal Circuit's previous decisions, then it was appropriate to affirm in this instance. But I think what really makes the Hunting Titan decision interesting is looking at what the Federal Circuit said it was not deciding. For example, in a footnote, the Federal Circuit found that it was, quote, odd that the POP panel reversed the board panel and the IPR for applying the same ground that it found the original claims unpatentable based on when the POP panel had noted that that was an appropriate situation for the board to raise its own grounds. And I think it's also interesting that the Federal Circuit explicitly said it was not deciding uh, the patentability of the claims at issue on appeal. It was not deciding whether the POP panel had abused its discretion when reversing the board's Shackerer anticipation grounds below for the substitute claims. And it was not deciding whether the board has an obligation to always determine the patentability of substitute claims and raise its own grounds. So it really cabined itself into a narrow decision affirming based on a procedural choice by Hunting Titan not to challenge the pop panel's application of its own framework under that abusive discretion standard. Well, that's very helpful. Before we go further into Hunting Titan, you mentioned the motions to amend practice at the PTAB. Can you explain the significance of this practice? How, how often does it arise? 
Yeah, the motion to amend practice is a fairly uncommon practice uh, at the board and at the PTAB. What it is, is it's an opportunity for patent owners when they're involved in an IPR or another post-grant proceeding to take two paths to have their patent come out of the IPR with surviving claims. Uh, The first path is the more traditional one, which is basically saying that the petitioner has failed to show that the grounds in the petition render the claims unpatentable. But patent owners can also raise amended claims. So they can make changes to the claims. Those changes have to narrow the claims. But they can use those amendments to say that the amended claims should be allowed out of the IPR and found that the petitioner didn't show that they were unpatentable. And so the patent owner, even if it loses the original claims, can come out of an IPR with claims that uh, can be enforced, albeit with a narrower scope. And the board allows two ways to do this. One is to simply file a motion to amend and to propose the amended claims. The other way is what Dyna Energetics did, which is called a contingent motion to amend. That's where the patent owner says the petitioner failed to make it showing in the petition that the original claims are unpatentable. But in the alternative, if the board finds the original claims unpatentable, then the patent owner has proposed these substitute amended claims that are narrower and overcome the grounds that were set forth in the petition, and the board should allow those claims out as amended. It is a practice that's uh, rare because it can have certain implications, perhaps in a district court, with regards to the way those claims can be enforced or when those claims can be enforced, but it's a process that's open to patent owners. It's just not frequently used. Mm. Very helpful. You, you mentioned a Nike v. Adidas Federal Circuit decision. What's the relevance of that? I did. And Nike v. Adidas, uh, as I mentioned, was a Federal Circuit decision from 2020. And it was one of the first cases where the Federal Circuit picked up the issue that's now at issue in Hunting Titan, which is whether or not the board in an IPR, when there's a motion to amend pending, can raise its own grounds of unpatentability that the petitioner did not raise in opposition to the motion to amend. The Nike v. Adidas case found that it was appropriate in that case for the board to raise a new ground not raised by the petitioner, and it was was allowable under the Administrative Procedures Act, but Nike v. Adidas did not go and answer the question of when the board should be allowed to raise its own ground. Instead, it found that it was proper But the Nike v. Adidas case actually sent the case back to the board uh, for a different issue under the Administrative Procedures Act uh, so that the patent owner there could actually brief the issue because the patent owner had not had the opportunity to provide its input on the board's new ground of unpatentability. So it was a different issue at, at Nike v. Adidas. And then Hunting Titan is now a furtherance of the the case law that was started in Nike v. Adidas when the board can raise its own grounds. Where does this hunting titan decision fit into that context and why is it significant? Hunting titan has, I think, two significances. One is at the board level itself. So if you'll remember, it came from a pop panel, which is a precedential decision at the board, that set out the framework for the board to apply for itself when it can raise its own grounds of unpatentability when there's a motion to amend pending. I think it has a secondary importance at the federal circuit level 
which is the one that we're talking about and the issues flagged by the federal circuit as to when the federal circuit can review and how it can review those decisions by the board when the board raises its own grounds or sets forth its own framework. And in this case, the federal circuit affirmed the board, even though, as we'll talk about, it flagged a couple of issues that it saw with the pop panel's decision that may be further developed in future cases on appeal. The original board panel, as you'll remember, decided that it was appropriate to raise this Shackerer anticipation ground to find the substitute claims unpatentable. But the pop panel found that it didn't fit into one of the situations delineated by the pop panel decision in its own framework. And so the pop panel reversed. And although the federal circuit did affirm the pop panel's decision on the narrow basis that Hunting Titan failed to challenge that decision as an abuse of discretion of the pop panel following its own policies, the court flagged a couple of issues uh, that may come up in future cases. I think there are two examples from the Federal Circuit's decision that highlight these issues that may come up in in future cases and why Hunting Titan itself is important, despite its narrow holding and narrow affirmance. The first is the Federal Circuit in the Hunting Titan decision found, in its words, certain things were, quote, problematic about the pop panel's reasoning. And one of those was that the board should raise its own grounds of unpatentability only in, quote, rare circumstances. First, the the court didn't decide whether or not this was correct, but it did note that there are circumstances where a petitioner may lack incentive to oppose a motion to amend, such as when the, the petitioner is no longer participating in the IPR or where it doesn't oppose a motion to amend. Those may not fall under rare circumstances where it's appropriate for the board to raise its own grounds. Second, the Federal Circuit found that it was, again, the Federal Circuit's words, quote, odd, that the POP panel identified one of the situations where the board could raise sua sponte grounds as when the new ground is the same ground as the original petition. But here, although the board panel did raise the same ground as the original petition, the POP panel reversed that and said that it wasn't a specific enough situation where it was appropriate for the board to raise the same ground. The Federal Circuit, in a footnote, found that odd. Uh, We don't have a decision from the Federal Circuit on how that should turn out, but it is something that may come up in future decisions. And all of this seems to indicate that although the Federal Circuit affirmed the POP panel's finding that the substitute claims were allowable in this case, the Federal Circuit does have questions about these policies, and these issues may come up in future decisions uh, that need to be further delineated because the court's already thinking about them. You mentioned Judge Prost's concurrence. Can, Can you go into that a little more? Sure. I think it's interesting that Judge Prost wrote a concurrence here, and it delves a bit more deeply into some of the issues that the court's opinion alludes to. First, it is a concurrence, so uh, the judge agreed that the court was correct to affirm the POP panel's decision on appeal, but the concurrence also states that had Hunting Titan preserved its challenge to the POP panel as an abuse of discretion and applying its own standards, she believed that that challenge, quote, likely would have succeeded. And it it is a concurrence, so it's not binding, 
But I find it interesting that Judge Prost took the time to write a concurrence to talk about some of the issues that she saw with the POP panel's application of its own standards. And she noted in particular that the POP panel highlighted three situations where it might be appropriate for the board to raise its own grounds. And in particular, she flagged a couple of places where she found problematic uh, the POP panel's application. Uh, One of these is one that we've talked about, that the POP panel has this, quote, readily identifiable and persuasive situation where the board can raise its own grounds. And Judge Prost indicated that in her mind, that situation comes up when the board is applying the same ground as the original petition, which is exactly the situation here. In fact, to quote Judge Prost in her concurrence, she said, quote, whatever readily identifiable and persuasive standard means, it should have let the board do what it did here. And that is, quote, evaluate whether the prior reference that anticipated the original claims also anticipated the new claims. The other thing that Judge Prost raised in the concurrence is whether the POP panel appears to be being inconsistent with the Federal Circuit's Nike decision. Again, she didn't make any decisions here. It was just raising some questions. But she noted that in Nike v. Adidas, the Federal Circuit approved of the board raising its own ground with a reference that the petitioner didn't even cite to. But here, where the board raised the Shacker anticipation ground below, it was a reference cited to by the petitioner, both in the original petition and in the opposition to the motion to amend. And she thought there could be some inconsistency there, and that might be something that could be looked at in future appeals if it comes up again. And although not specific to the Hunting Titan case, the concurrence also noted that the patent offices set forth regulations uh, applying when the board should raise its own grounds in future cases, although they didn't apply to the Hunting Titan case. And she raised a couple of concerns that she found, quote, troubling in the concurrence as to how those regulations might be applied in the future. And so I think like the, the opinion of the court on appeal, Judge Prost's concurrence, again, raises some issues uh, that, that may come up in future cases. And I think we will be seeing other appellants look at Hunting Titan, look at the policies of the board in considering whether or not they've been properly applied in future cases, perhaps to avoid the situation that Hunting Titan found itself in, where it got to appeal, it it didn't challenge the board's policies, and the Federal Circuit seemed to indicate that maybe there was a challenge there that wasn't made, and then affirmed the board's decision. Hmm. Well, Kevin, finally, what do you think PTAB practitioners should take away from this case? I think probably the most important one is that we are now 10 years after the American Invents Act was enacted. We've been uh, having IPRs and PGRs for about the past 10 years. And there are still some areas of the law, like motions to amend, and in particular, when the board can raise its own grounds of unpatentability, that are really untested and, at this point, vaguely defined areas of the law that uh, could come up in future appeals. As I mentioned before, the motion to amend practice is one that is less common at the PTAB, and so we don't have a lot of Federal Circuit decisions surrounding when it's appropriate 
for the board to make these sua sponte grounds of unpatentability uh, for motions to amend. And I think we'll continue to see that develop, especially because Hunting Titan seems to indicate that there may be points of undeveloped law and appellants from the PTAB, whether they're petitioners or patent owners, may use future appeals to try to better define those areas of the law. Okay, well, we'll leave it there for now. Thank you so much, Kevin. Thank you. Our guest has been Kevin Rodkey, a partner at Finnegan, one of the largest IP law firms in the world. For more commentary on intellectual property news and issues, to listen to other podcasts, and to receive additional information on the firm, please visit www.finnegan.com. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Finnegan.